Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit prostateoneperday.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Real Men Feel with Andy Grant encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been told, all emotions do serve you. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. You know, as you know, Valentine's Day was just this past weekend, so you might expect a nice lovey-dovey relationship talk show today, uh, and that would be easy. But one of the main drivers behind Real Men Feel is a willingness and, in fact, a need to have uncomfortable conversations. The discussions most men aren't having, but I find that all men can benefit from. So today is definitely one of those. We're talking about abusive relationships, and not the type you probably hear the most about, um, my guest today is the author of The Abuse of Men by Women. I'm really glad to introduce you to counselor, author, and coach, Ann Silvers. Welcome to the show, Hi. Ann. Hi. You know, let, let's just dive right in. And, you know, how did you first get involved in having an interest in the abuse of men in relationships? Uh, yeah, question I'm always asked as a, as a woman. How did I get into this? Yeah. So I would say, you know, go back, and I was of the Thor. You know, the big group of people who, when they look at abuse in partnerships, they're thinking about women victimized by evil men. And uh, as I was got to start my counseling practice, which I was late to, I didn't start my counseling practice till I was in my late forties because it was my third career. And um, I started to see in my clients and that it wasn't always the abuse was coming one direction and that being that the man was the uh, being mean and the woman was victimized. I was seeing things that were making me question that. And, and then I had a friend, a guy friend who he started telling me stories about his wife and it sounded abusive. And I, I kind of poo pooed it initially minimized it. And then it was clear. And so that opened my eyes. I realized looking back, I'd only been in practice in a short, fairly short time, but I could look back and see I was missing it in, in some couples mm. and started talking about it, started doing, uh, you know, sort of minimal research for my clients and finding nothing in terms of resources. In fact, the opposite, that guys re who reached out to advocacy groups who are about domestic um, partnership abuse, finally, of uh, you know, usually get kind of um, put down, or you know, a guy could be calling and saying, you know, I'm 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 on the receiving end of this, and the advocates tend to turn it around, and and so that's how and I ended up writing the book. And is turning it around just saying? just flat out, I don't believe you, or you've got to be mistaken about you're seeing the situation. Uh, you must be bad. You must be bringing this on. You know, what are you doing? Hmm. Yeah. 
and so 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 what time how long ago was what were you finding that there were no resources around this uh so i think i wrote the, the book in something like maybe maybe it was 2012 okay so not that long ago oh no not long ago yeah. at all no all right. and i still find i i'm hearing this similar things from guys yeah there's and so, so when you're training, this is not brought up. This is, I mean, you found this in the field. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think I would have continued to miss it if it hadn't been that a friend, I, I, I just couldn't deny it. Mm. You know, I saw emails. It, it was, uh, she was verbally and emotionally abusive. Um, and did, did your friend, did that, did that man, did he, did he just think this is weird? Did he feel like this is abuse? Like how, where was he on, on the awareness of this? Yeah, as I think issue? the time he was talking to me, he felt abused. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and one of, when I, so I went back to college in my thirties, forties, it took me 11 years to get all the degrees to be a counselor. And along the way, when I did my bachelor's of science and psychology, I did a minor in women's studies which is kind of a study on women being abused by men. Mm. And that was sort of my background. And um, so I knew a lot about abuse from that. And then I could plug in that information once I opened up to the broader view and could see that it isn't just in one direction. It it certainly can be in individual um, couples, but it's a phenomenon that can go male to female, female to male, male to male, female to female, mm-hmm. any kind of couple gender configuration. So it, it's really, is it, is it the same type of, of abuse? Like how, how might a woman abuse men? Okay, good question. So when I started writing the book, um, the actual first introduction I wrote before I learned to write the introduction last uh, the first introduction I wrote, I was actually minimizing physical abuse in in these relationships where it's uh, women targeting men. And I thought it was going to be mostly verbal, emotional, certainly financial, legal. I had all those teed up, but um, took me longer to recognize the, that physical and sexual abuse in in relationships where women are targeting their male partners, it's way too common too, uh, way more common than we think. And so um, it's also a major part of the book. And I've talked to lots of men physically abused by their wives or girlfriends, sexually abused by wives, girlfriends. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it, I, I'm sure this is one of those things that, whatever reporting, whatever numbers there are, they, you've got to imagine that it's just really underrepresented. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so I don't allow myself to get bogged down in the stats because I don't know what to believe. Mm. What I do believe is it's really, it is underreported and uh, it's happening a lot. And in, in working with clients and in whatever limited research is out there, is there one type of abuse that is more common than others um, or is it all kind of equal or how's that yeah. show up? So the very most common kind of partner abuse uh, is emotional, what I call emotional slash psychological. I put them both in one category. Mm-hmm. 
And it's really the most common because every other kind of abuse has a psychological and emotional component to it. So if you're being physically abused, that leaves a psychological mark as well. Uh, Same with sexual, legal, financial, all of them. And is any... I'm not even sure how to phrase this, but is any one more harmful? Like, are they all equally damaging or how, how does that Well, work? there's those that are life-threatening. Mm. So we got to put them up at, at the highest. Right. Uh, but all of them leave their own kind of scars, marks, bruises. Some of them aren't physical. You know, you can get stabbed emotionally, uh, legally, spiritually. Um, but physical is the one that's life-threatening. Yeah. A, a thing about abuse I've heard like, like, you know, all my life is that all abusers were abused. So is that the primary condition behind a woman who abuses a man? Uh, it's one of them. So when I was writing the book, I came up with 72 reasons why somebody might abuse their partner. Wow. Um, so the one that we most talk about is, uh, the kind of go-to when you're talking about women abusing men is most of the times they let women off the hook and say, well, it must be self-defense. And that's the kind of thinking that gets in the way of really helping these situations and understanding them. So self-defense is one. There's 71 other ones. (laughs) And so it's things like, uh, you know, they may have been, they may have been abused in, in their family of origin They might have been bullied. Um, They might have been treated as a princess. So they might have actually been pedestalized or, you know, which could be also peer groups could have been, they could be somebody who really just got their way a lot. And so they're very controlling, demanding, insisting on getting their own way. Could be mental illness. So it could be bipolar disorder, could be uh, anxiety Anxiety drives a lot of, I certainly don't want to say everybody who's anxious or bipolar is, is abusive, but it could be one of the drivers. And um, I see in anxiety, people can become controlling and demanding Mm. because they're trying to deal with their anxiety and they're kind of putting it on their partner. If you would just do what I want you to do, I wouldn't be all in, in in all this emotional pain. Therefore you're bad. So I'm going to, keep telling you you're bad and um, demand that you do the things I need you to do in order for me not to be anxious. And it, it feels like the, uh, the lay person's label of the day really uh, currently is, is calling everybody a narcissist and anyone that's controlling and demanding in the center. So th- does that show up? Is that a, a core part of, of, of emotional abuse? It's certainly one of them. So it's one of the 72. <laughs> and that, so that's one of its own. It's not related to all the others. It's yeah. You know, itself. and so, yeah, I, you bring up a good point. They certainly could overlap. Okay. So the same person who's a narcissist may have been pedestalized as a child or may have been abused. Um, you know, another one that along the way is, is not having the skills to, to be, um, you know, lacking in the communication skills. Uh, that could throw, you could throw that in with other, other categories as well. Yeah. There'd be overlap. You know, with 72 reasons or maybe, maybe correct me if, if they should be like possible reasons. I'm always amazed. Like, so there could be 72 reasons for this. And, but there are still plenty of women that aren't abusive. 
Like it almost seems like it's almost <laughs> right? sounds impossible then. Right. Well, and when I've written about men, and there's there's 72 reasons why men could be abusing their their partners as well. Yeah. And and all right, are they the same reasons? Is it is it kind of gender neutral? Um, you know, I it's they're very similar. Um, none pop into my mind right now that are different, but um, there could be. So maybe well, that's the point. okay. One one that's different, and it's the one that um, is so often targeted when we're talking about partner abuse when men are being abusive. Um, so it's the patriarchy, you know, this sense of entitlement. Okay, so women don't have that; <laughs> they don't have uh, patriarchy on their side. Uh, but on my list, there, there's 72 reasons either way. So I must have plugged something in that, yeah. that uh, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so is it kind of the, uh, kind of the lived experiences showing you that abuse is, is really gender neutral? It goes in both directions. So is it, is it just our conditioning? Is it what we're expected? Is it the gender roles that have us all assuming it's, it's predominantly, predominantly, primarily <laughs> one way? Um. And I do want to back up and say I, the, the thing that I think I plugged in for countering, countering the male patriarchy side of things is the entitlement that we have going on right now in society that women are entitled to treat their men badly. Like it's, you deserve it. So I get to do this. So, so kind of followed of, of Me Too and, you know, the, the rise of women's rights is almost making an overstep or something like that? Well, when it's taken too far. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I don't think that it was intended to go that far. Um, but we have a tendency culturally for the pendulum to swing too far before it comes back to a, a, a healthier place. Right, right. And we've got to nudge it. We've got to be in there being active and showing where it's gone too far and trying to bring it back. Yeah. The, this- the, the gender neutrality of this, it goes against what we're conditioned to look for and expect. So is that part, is, is the fact that we, that, that we as, as regular citizens and people of the world aren't seeing and aren't accepting that women can be abusive, is that just part of the conditioning? Is that our training? I, I think so. I think that we are in a cultural, and I, and I think this is really broad, broad, um, this idea that men are liars, women are believable, men are bad, women are good. It, it colors too much and it's too um, polarized in its thinking. So it's either or. And so I, and, it, and that puts it on a, on a, as if we have to choose. We have to put one gender in one category and the other gender in the other category. And the reality is things are on a continuum there's, there's women who, like, if we take an abusive continuum, we could have different women, any part of this continuum, different men, any part of this continuum. Um, gender does not decide whether you're going to be mean to your partner or, not, mm. or be a bully mm. or even sort of inadvertently be too demanding, controlling, aggressive. Uh, are there... A number of reasons or one reason, you know, does anything make it more likely to be an abuser than, than other possible reasons? 
None, none. Well, I, you know, narcissism is certainly, uh, uh, and I, I think that, um, I don't know if you can see my hands. <laughs> I, I, um, narcissism, narcissism belongs on a continuum okay. from zero to uh, narcissistic behaviors. Okay. From zero to uh, serial killer sociopaths. So sociopaths have a lot in common with narcissists in that they are excruciatingly self-centered. They are uh, manipulative. They are demanding, controlling, you know, need to be the center of attention. Uh, and so you have this continuum and, and moving up it, you get into narcissism. That's kind of benign. You know, they, they need to be self, they need to be the center of attention, but they're not so mean about it. Let's say they don't extract such a big price from the people around them and keep moving up. You get into what we've started calling malignant narcissists. They're meaner, they're more demanding, they're more conniving, manipulative. And then you get into sociopaths and you keep moving up um, where they, you know, you're benign, uh, malignant narcissists, sociopaths are getting into, you know, really practice liars. And uh, then you start getting into more and more costs that they extract from the people that they're around them. And there's different ways that people kill other people. I mean, they might kill them financially, psychologically, um, morally, uh, those sorts of things before you'd ever get up to the, the ones that are the physical killers. How does how does financial abuse show up? Is it, you know, is it maybe is it when the women when a woman controls the the finances of a household and, and withholds it, or is it more? It can it be the expectation that you better financially take care of me all the time, or yeah, both and oh. and <laughs> yeah, and then and there and other ones. So the the typical financial abuse that we think of is the kind most often seen especially when you look back historically of um, male to female men controlling the money, right? That's what we most often think about when we think about financial abuse. So we got to broaden the, the view that type does happen. There's some, some uh, relationship where the woman controls the money and has control of the purse strings and doesn't allow the guy to have uh, equality in that and, and really has her thumb on, on him. And I've, and I've had clients uh, and men I've talked to who have been in that position. There's also stealing within a relationship where a woman might get control of the money and actually be, you know, I've heard of guys where the money is being put in a safe and then being taken off to mom and dads and, and large chunks of money are gone. Um, or another one I've often seen is the woman is put in charge of doing things like bills, taxes, that kind of thing. And three years down the road, the guy finds out the taxes that he thought were being paid annually were not actually being paid. And I know of guys in a divorce where they got saddled with, with that tax bill and the woman got away with not having any um, debt associated with it. Right, so there, because I want to ask about how legal abuse shows up too. So that kind of bridges it right there. Well, yeah, and legal abuse, and, and there's other financial abuse ways too. But but legal abuse, um, this is showing up a lot 
with the court, family court in particular, being so skewed towards women. And so a woman can falsely accuse her husband or ex-husband more commonly of, or ex-partner of being, um, you know, might falsely accuse them of being abusive to the kids. So he, so he can't be around the kids. Um, courts tend to be geared towards listening to women. Again, this cult- cultural tendency to believe women and not believe men. Um, women can uh, feign that they can't work, you know, pretend that they can't work. So they'll get spousal support um, or more child abuse, child um, financial support than what they really should be getting uh, because they're, they're not working. It could be even in a marriage where, uh, or a partnership where a woman plays helpless and so is not contributing to the financial well-being of the family. It's another, but not because she can't, but rather she's working it. She's, you know, playing this. Um, She can also be, you know, relationships where the woman demands the man is paying for everything and she's not um, carrying the financial equity when when he would like her to be. Our, our laws and the court system, are they catching up to the fact that abuse is, is in two directions? I, I wish it was way better than it is. I, I don't hear many good stories. Occasion, this, the good stories for where men have um, had the truth prevail um, are less often than, than the opposite, where they've just been like you know, parental alienation is another one that's really more commonly the woman alienating the the father from the children and the courts potentially supporting that. I've, I've uh, been involved in heartbreaking situations where men have tried and tried and tried and eventually have to give up and hope that the kids will reach out to him when they're adults. Mm. And, and, you know, this is probably the top issue that I've heard from men that asking me, do a show about this, talk about this. No one talks about this. So boy, it's interesting that you're validating it. And it's also saddening. I, I thought, well, this, you know, sure. In the sixties, this is an issue, but now it's back better. Right. And like, no, you're saying. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I've, I've had stories in the last couple of years mm. that are really heartbreaking. What, what do you see can be done? Like what, how does the legal system, how does the family court system get, get fixed or become more equal? Yeah. The, the family court system needs to have more awareness to not just buy into whatever anybody's saying. Like don't let the gender skew how they view what's being presented mm-hmm. and, and look more for evidence. Then, then with parental alienation, we have to look down in the system too, and to you know advocates, the um, guardian ad litems, and the advocates that are put in place to do assessments. Those have to be educated so they're not in the same boat where they're believing whatever the woman says and not believing what the guy says. You have to be able to come with skepticism and openness. So you talked about how some characteristics of of a female abuser are, you know, controlling, demanding center of attention, some narcissism. So 
you know, what lures a man into a relationship? Those all seem like, well, I don't want to be involved with that person, you know, right, right away. So what, what lures a man into something that becomes an abusive relationship? Yeah, great question. Well, there's a lot of different parts to it. Uh, So one of the, one of those whole sections in my book is about this. How, how does this happen? And um, so in, when I, when I'm writing a book, it, it pushes me to the next level of examining my theories. And, and so one of my theories going in was the idea that people sell themselves in a relationship. So there's what I call dating guy and dating girl. So we all put on a, our best foot forward when we first start dating. That, that makes sense. It's not, that's not the level I'm talking about when when we have this um, abuser potentially. So they up the game where it's more manipulative, you know, potentially, you know, because let me back up and say abuse belongs on its own continuum from zero to extreme. And um, so somebody could be different places on this continuum, not all abusive partners, you know, are going to kill you. There's, there's different levels. Okay. So having said that, um, So with dating guy and dating girl, you could really be pulled into a relationship where the the woman has worked it. You know, she's presented this false self. Then what happens is a psychological premise is a thing called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is we take in and absorb that which confirms what we already believe to be true and we miss the rest. So once you fall in love with dating girl, now when the relationship moves on and she starts to show her true self, that's confusing and your brain won't take it in. And instead you're like, you know, just excuse it away. It's going to be better. We just have to do something. Get back to dating girl. Well, you can't get back to dating girl in these situations because that's the fake person. The real person is the person you're dealing with now. Um, so, so that gets in that that's one of the contributors to how men get pulled into these relationships. Then I think a huge one that we need to keep really, it's one of the reasons why I keep up trying to be out there educating guys is they don't know to look out for this. And so they miss the red flags. So, so they're definitely, even with a great courting act being put on by someone, there are still flags that you can spot. Um, well, it like depends because there'd be some people with the courting act that you, you'd be really hard pressed to, to see through it. Um, I mean, I, I talked to a guy who ended up with a really super abusive woman and, um, it started on the honeymoon. So there was, I think she threw something at him on the honeymoon. There was no sex on the honeymoon, whereas it had been there before. Like she just totally put a ring on it and, and she let her real self out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, It's not always that dramatic, but yeah. And I imagine it, it, and it sounds like, again, with, with confirmation bias and other, other issues and wanting things to work out or, you know, I, I mean, yeah. a lot of guys and myself, but well, being in a bad relationship is better than no relationship. So the, the person, the people in the relationship can be the last to realize that this is abusive. Yeah. And, and now you're tagging into why do men stay, you know, once, once the behaviors are there. And I've got a long list for that too, of why men stay. And, and you mentioned one of them, one might be to just have any partner. Um, 
it might also be maybe this partner is particularly beautiful or has some big um, advantage that they like being associated with. And they might feel like, well, I could never get anybody as good as this. So they put up with a lot of uh, bad behavior. Um, And then the other side of it is that abusive relationships wear you down. So they wear down your self-confidence your self-esteem and you could more and more feel like this is the best I can do. Now I'll take physical abuse out of this question because I think that's obvious, but do most abusers realize they are abusive if it's emotional, financial? I, I would say no. Most would be justifying their behavior in some way in their own mind. Um, yeah, there's yeah, not many are able to tag their own. Even when it's pointed out, they would still potentially struggle, but not everybody. I mean, I've had women, I've had worked with couples where um, it takes me a while before I get along around to probably saying that's abusive and use that word because that they might never come back. Mm-hmm. But um, there, I've certainly worked with women who have been able to have their eyes open to their own behavior and go, oh, okay, I, I you know, I got to not do this. I, you know, even, even when you don't take physical out of it, when you put physical in, because there's this whole society thing about it's okay for women to hit men. And so I've had situations where a couple comes in, um, let's say he had an affair, and um, then the woman hit him when she found out. And I have to say, you know, that's not okay. And, and they'll look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I get to hit him. Uh, no, no, you don't. No. Um, yeah, he did something wrong. That doesn't mean you can hit him. Yeah. Just the very same as if you flip the genders. It's, you know, if, if the woman was having an affair and got found out, we're not going to say it's okay for her, him to hit her. No, we have to test ourselves more about would we feel like this is okay if the genders were flipped. So you, you've said a number of times that this is far more common than people realize and there aren't good statistics on it. So are more people not talking about the abuse of men because we just believe it's not common or are there other reasons to that? Um, I think because we believe it's not common, um, because we have this, um, unfortunately, the whole domestic violence, the bulk of the domestic violence community, the, the advocates, the people working, have organized a system around male patriarchy is the bad thing. That's why we have abuse in relationships. And so the people working in the field are skewed. And not many of them are open to seeing this broader reality. So what sort of reaction do you get talking to other counselors and stuff? Do you get pushback that this, this is yep. the real thing? Be quiet. Yeah. Wow. I, I get, I get a whole, uh, the whole gamut. So um, initially when I would start talking about it, um, I would just say one of my specialties is abuse of men by women. And I would hear all these kind of gasps. Uh, in in the room and and people kind of like 
you can see them thinking like they're kind of nodding their head and their eyes are like, Ooh, glimmer. Like, yeah. Okay. And, and just saying the topic would open their eyes up a little bit. They'd start to piece things together. But invariably when I speak to like groups, like counselors, I'll have some counselors really mad at me. Like I should not be talking about this. Um, and I, and I take it back to polarized thinking. There's a, there's this idea that, Somehow, if we talk about women abusing men, we are diminishing the reality that men also abuse women. And I think it's just so important we get off of that polarized thinking. Right. And and because it's not real. Yeah. It's, so it's a mind trap. Just just focus on abusive relationships are a problem. Exactly. Not, not picking sides of it. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, one thing I really love about the book is that it, it's it's not just a, a research piece. It, it, there's concrete. If you're in this situation, here are things you can do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So um, outside of rushing getting the book, is there something you suggest for a man, like someone's listening to this or any, they just realize I'm in an abusive relationship. Like what, what what's the first thing that, that you might suggest to someone realizing that? Okay, so the first thing I would say, if you're going to get the book, if you think you're in an abusive relationship and you're going to get the book, get the book in secret. So don't, don't be found out reading the book. <laughs> um, uh, and so you might, you know, send it to your mom's house or something or work or, or someplace, um, uh, get it, get it down, get the ebook and onto a device where it's really password protected or something like that. So there's, there's that. Um, and then, you know, just, just begin to open your eyes and um, allow yourself to consider it. That's a big part. And then maybe open up to somebody who's a friend who you think might be able to handle you talking about friend or family. Um, and you don't have to suddenly be talking to everybody about it. You can you know, sort of be thoughtful and think of somebody who you might be able to open up to. Um, there are some resources online. I'm trying to think, I think um, I know that in Australia, there's a really good website. So, so wherever you are in the world, you can find it. Um, and the UK has some good websites. Um, I, I, I think the one in Australia might be called one in four. I'm, I'm not, I'm not recalling it right now, but if you put in uh, probably a Google search, women abusing men, Australia, you might, <laughs> you might come up with it or, or the same thing for a UK. Um, those countries seem to be ahead of the U S and Canada. Um, on the topic. And so are in, in, in North America, are you aware of any, is there a battered man shelter? Is that at all becoming a thing or. Um, There was a really good website for men who were abused and it failed because of lack of funding. So it closed down. Um, I, I, I don't have real big confidence in the national ones that are out there for domestic violence. I, I just, a lot of them will give lip service to, yes, this happens in, in both gender configuration directions, but then you get into the examples and they're all about mean men abusing their poor women. Um, and so I, I'm really hesitant. I think it's, 
it could make a man diminish what's happening to him. Yeah. yeah. So, so doing your own research, finding the traditional messages out there might just make you decide you're wrong and just shut yeah. up all over yeah. again. Because the woman's been trying to convince you you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you just wouldn't do this thing, she wouldn't be so mean to you, which, which we recognize when we talk about men abusing women, we recognize that pattern of that you're often the target of the abuse. And I don't use the word victim. I use the word target. I just don't think men can identify very, very well with being victimized. Mm. So they're targeted by abusive women. And, um, you know, if you, if you end up reading all this stuff about the other, the other way around, you just buy more into the, what she's been trying to tell you. Yeah. Now, having said that, I, I do want to point out there's couples where um, it, abuse is going in one direction. There's couples where it's going in both directions. So sometimes there's two people abusing each other. If you think it might be you, you if you as a guy think it might be that, you know, you raise your voice and or yell or name call or do something uh, you shouldn't be doing. And you feel like, well, you do it in reaction to her. Well, then up your game on communication skills so that you can eliminate that, uh, like take it out as a, as, a, as a contributing factor. And then you'll get clearer about who's responsible for what here. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. And I write books about communication too, <laughs> so they can go and uh, find my books about how to listen and how to talk with tact and things like that. So maybe that's the answer to this. If if a a woman is, you know, she's not far on the narcissism scale, it's rather benign, yeah. but she's realizing, wow, I I might be abusive of, yeah. of the man I'm with. What would you? What anything to offer to that person? Well, I would say the book as well, the abuse of men by women book. I did write it, keeping in mind that women who are open to researching this could read the book and have value there too. Um, and then, yeah, get, get a uh, challenge with getting a counselor is getting a counselor who is open to this and is not going to just be saying to the woman, Oh no, honey, it can't be you. It must be him. Um, so you'd have to do a little bit of, of asking when you're interviewing a potential counselor and, and be upfront. You know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm maybe out of line. I think I'm maybe into the abusiveness with him and, and see what kind of reaction you get. Uh, and, and so, and, and see if you can find somebody who work on communication skills and work at, you know, why you might be overreacting, why you might think it's okay um, to be treating somebody like this, what, what the drivers are. What was the term? Not 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 a victim. If you're the target, a target, yeah. So if you if you're a target, there's still an invitation to work on yourself. You know, up your game, your skill set, how to deal with it better. Not just I'm a target, I give up, or or I right. So yeah, so see if see if um, there's anything that at least try and take it off the table, right? Try and try and not be your reactions are contributing to her escalating. Um, now, having said that, we don't want to make the target of the abuse um, like totally responsible, like as if they deserve it in some way. I don't want to leave that impression. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so like most things, but especially in this really delicate, murky ground, there's there really no black and white. There's no yes or no answers exactly. to any of these questions. Exactly. It's it's very individual circumstances. What's going on? Um, and when we're trying to figure out, are we, you know, what's the reality of our relationship? Am, am I, you know, one of the things to look at when you're trying to think, am I being abused? Is look for patterns. Try and step back. And look for patterns of behavior from your partner instead of instead of zoning in on one individual event. We get bogged down. You know, we could even go to a friend and say, "Okay, so yesterday this thing happened," and you get bogged down into the nuances of that thing. And there's easy, you know, there's ways to excuse it away and everything. Take that one thing instead. Take that one thing and step back and ask yourself: Is there a pattern? of behavior that this fits into? Is there a pattern of being controlling and demanding? Is there a pattern of financial abuse? Um, Is there a pattern of helplessness? Is there a pattern of physical abuse? Um, All those sorts of things, it really helps. And don't get bogged down too much in the why of it. Um, People go around in circles asking themselves, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And if it's that, it happened because the person was irrational. You will never logically figure out the why. Yeah. But you can figure it, you can see it if you look at the pattern. Yeah, because yeah, hunting for the why is, again, trying to make yourself responsible for their actions and reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's valuable. So let's say, I mean, I've, I've seen a, a number of couples where, the woman had this controlling, demanding behavior. So one, one way that, that abuse, partner abuse can show up and it's driven by anxiety. And so then helping both of them understand anxiety is a piece of helping them. Um, but it doesn't mean because she's anxious, anxious, she gets away with being controlling and demanding. She's got to take ownership of that. And then he might, as long as he can see her, trying to get better, he can also understand it more potentially and um, maybe not take it so personally, maybe, maybe learn how to tactfully set boundaries and test and see if she can respect that. Um, yeah. So there's, there's sometimes, sometimes it's workable. Sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes really the only when abuse gets so bad, you know, depending on where it belongs on the continuum, um, and this can be long before it's physically dangerous. There's other ways it's dang- potentially dangerous. Sometimes the only way to deal with it is to get out. And have, have you worked with couples? Uh, is it possible to recognize it? Uh, you know, both parties willing to work on their wounds, their trauma, and realize, oh, this is how we've been treating each other and, and heal each other, and, and the relationship survives? Yes. Oh. Yes. Depending on where it is on the continuum, Depending on um, is somebody really genuinely willing to continue to work on their stuff, their part of it, you know, the abusive person I'm talking about at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can think of a couple in particular where, you know, she really struggles with being controlling and demanding and she continues to work at it. And she's open to when I say, OK, so that was controlling and <laughs> Demanding, she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. So what can I do again to try and be better about this? And 
And she genuinely continues to work at it. Now there's other people that, you know, whether it's uh, either kind of direction. So it could be a guy who's being abusive. It could be a woman who's being abusive. A pattern I often see is um, there's a short term willingness to look at their stuff for the abusive person to say, yeah, I was wrong and let me change. And then it kind of wears on them and they just, you know, you can see that at some point in their own brain, they start to flip and do the self-justifying again. And well, you know, this is really not just me. It's also him or it's also her. And then they're, they're backing off of looking at their own responsibility in it. So it's, it's something to watch out for. And when you're assessing your relationship, life's an experiment. We're always trying to figure out what works and doesn't work. We've got to be open to the results of the experiment. Mm. And so when you decide, okay, now let's try this to see if we can make the relationship better, run that experiment and watch for what happens. And then, you know, if you want to run another experiment, do, but watch what happens. And then after you've done a number of them, look back at the patterns. What do you see? And, and make your decisions. So is there anything that, friends, family, even society as a whole can do regarding the abuse of men by women? So society as a whole needs to get educated, um, open themselves up to learning about this and, um, you know, reading some stories and, and thinking about it in a more open way. Um, then families, it's really tough on families where um, they see a guy that's their brother, their son, their friend, and they see the abuse, but the guy doesn't see it. And um, what one of the things can, that can often happen in abusive relationship is isolating the target of the abuse. So a woman might make up stories about how evil the guy's mom is. And so it, it, harms the relationship between him and his mom, let's say. Um, so that's isolating. And, uh, you know, same thing could happen. I just said mom, but it could be any figure. And, and I, you know, even can be best friend. Like I, I know of stories where the woman uh, fairly early in the relationship says to the guy, well, you know, yesterday when your best friend and I were alone, he hit on you. Well, now this, now he, this, the relationship is severed between the best friend mm-hmm. and the guy. And we found out years later, it was not, never true, right. but he believes the woman he's in love with. And, and there's one thing that I say is you can't get between a man and the woman he sleeps with. So it's hard for friends and family to get through. So then if friends and family see abuse, but the man is not speaking up about it. Should they say anything or is that? They just, have to be can't? very careful. They have to be very careful. They have to walk gingerly around her so that uh, they don't stimulate her to, to see that, that they could potentially awaken the guy mm-hmm. and, and make her decide she needs to isolate him from them. Um, and they have to, you know, be careful about raising the subject to the guy. I mean, they might step towards it, but carefully um, because he's, and, and if he's defending her, then just, you know, back away, 
try as best you can to still be in their life. Um, if she pushes you out, try to not take it personally and try to be there available if he is awakened. So it almost, it's, it's making me think of, of addiction and that the target needs to hit rock bottom to realize there's going to be a better way. I can't live this way any longer. Uh, you know, maybe there's a similarity to that. Yeah. That things can, can have to get really bad. And I'll have to say that I've seen cases where things got really bad and the guy still is trying to make it work, trying to make it work for years. And it only ends because she ended it. Hmm. Um, and then, and then somewhere along the line, I mean, I've had guys read my book and that's when they realize that, Oh yeah, the woman I divorced me 10 years ago, turns out she was really abusive. And I've, I've seen stories where, yeah, there was all kinds of abuse and, and he really never had the awakening until he read the book. Well, um, you know, and this is, it's horribly fascinating. Like, like <laughs> I, I wish this didn't need to be talked about. I wish this was such a rare thing. You know, I found this one person in a hundred years of study, but, but it isn't unfortunately. So um, it's really important that you put up with the non-believers and the people that push back on you. So uh, thank you for writing oh. your book and, and speaking and getting out there. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you to learn more about everything that you're up to? Yeah. So my website is ansilvers.com. No E on Ann. Silvers is plural. Um, and uh, my, my books are on there. Not all my books are on my website, uh, but you could poke around. I've got a blog and so there's lots of information. I have other specialties like anxiety and communication and different things. So there's, there's lots of different subjects on my blog but if um i don't know if on a phone it's so searchable but if you put abuse in as your search you probably come up with a good list of blog posts and things Mm. um and then on amazon my uh the best way to actually find out what all my books are on amazon is actually to go to my blog and in the search put in amazon books and then my post about my um and books that are available on Amazon will pop up with links to take you there to purchase cool. or find out more. Awesome. Um, so th- again, thanks for, for joining us and thanks for, for listening. If you are recognizing yourself in any of what's been shared, uh, can't recommend the book enough. Again, it's, it's not just, it's not research. It's not, it's not dry. It's, it's, it's life. And it tells you, it gives you concrete steps that you can take if you see yourself or a friend. Um, yeah. So, you know, all the different resources and groups that were mentioned, I'll, I'll track them down. Visit realmenfield.org, the blog, the show notes for this episode. We'll have links to all the books. We'll have links to Anne's site. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to find the few resources that, that have been talked about. I'll, I'll track them down somehow or at least add a note about that they, they really just don't exist anymore. <laughs> if that's the case. Um, thanks again. Thanks again for listening. Wherever you're listening to Real Men Feel, please subscribe. Give a share. Um, let someone else know that Real Men Feel and men get abused and they the only way to stop that is to stop the denial about it and be willing to 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 own it to speak up about it and um you know reach out to a friend and tell someone and you know we we didn't even talk about it but i i'm sure there's just such the wall of shame to say i'm a target but uh that shame is worth saving your life over Mm -hmm. right cool all right Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And until next time, be good to yourself.
Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about author, coach, and healer Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would help us greatly if you gave a review wherever you are listening right now.